we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this gift for this day that you give us on a weekly basis. We want to honor you in it. We thank you for sanctifying and setting this day apart. We ask now that the spirit of all truth come and enter in to the willing hearts that have ears to hear and to obey what they hear. Grant to me the boldness and the courage to speak forth your word without blinking, that it may be a word in season to the one who is weary, according to your promise and your word We thank you and we glorify you in Christ's name. Last week, uh, which you may or may not have known, was in Israel was Holocaust Survivor Week, and this is just a couple of a couple of quotes that caught my eye in uh, in reading some of the survivors. I don't know what to call it, memoirs, but um, they're kind of like, even though some of them uh, may not even remember, per se, uh, the actual event, but they remember the stories that they were told because they were too young to remember. You know, and it's kind of a, like World War II vets. They're back on. And uh, those from the mouth stories will cease from those individuals. And the same with, with some of these. But I thought it very, very fitting over what we've been talking about for the last number of weeks uh, that this is not just a quote of an individual, but you need to take it to heart. I feel that my story is important in that there was a single individual who dared to make a difference, and because of that, I am alive. You need to remember those words when you're faced with opposition, when you're faced for standing what's right, when you're faced with you're the only one that's in that camp. You know, we're gonna we're gonna look in the weeks ahead. I'm not too sure exactly when we're gonna get to it. Uh, but David was rebuked by a prophet over that you have caused the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme in your actions. And it's very prevalent today in the modern church. The enemies of the Lord are blaspheming God because of the actions of believers. And so, do you dare to make a difference? I don't care if it's just one person in a lifetime. It's immaterial. But the point is, do you dare to take a stand? And here's this elderly lady. Because one person, 
Well, she's physically alive, but how much more about spiritually alive? The other one, I make it my mission and a commitment that I will not allow my pain to control my life. Past, past whatevers. Past hurts of a spouse, past, past hurts of a friend, past hurts of a pastor. You know, what do you want to put in the equation? Uh, is this scriptural? Yeah, this, this is just one thing that we're going to look at here uh, shortly, or look at in a short basis, but if you want to find those two books, if you're not familiar with their app, uh, we're pretty close together. Esther comes before Job. When I quit hearing pages, Rumble, I know that you found your place. Why can't you help you? What? Job 22, 28. You will decree a thing, and it will be established unto you, and the light shall shine upon your ways. Esther 2, 1. After these things, when the wrath of King... Anybody want to take a shot then? Azarius. Azarius. Was it he? He remembered last time and what she had done, and what was decreed against her. Same word. These two examples, the Hebrew word here, decree, means to decide. To make a choice or cause to come to a resolution. In other words, both of these are where decree or decide, establish, to restore, raise up, set, stand on a firm or permanent basis. The only reason you hadn't gotten to where you want to be is because you haven't done this right here. Now there's a group of people in the church today, the name it and claim it bunch, blab it and grab it and whatever, as long as you speak it forth, you can have it. Well, you can have whatever this book says you can have under the conditions that this book says you can have it. That's it. You can name it and claim it, you can blab it and grab it, but you ain't going to get it. And if you do, when you get it, you may not want it. So, the point being is, I don't know where you are today. You don't like some things that's going on. It's because you haven't decided to establish it. You have. God is all-powerful and he's all-knowing, but he's waiting on you to make a decision. 
So you need to decide whatever it is. You need to make a choice. And we're going to see today that walking pure before God is a choice. Your sanctification didn't begin and end at the day that you got born again. Your sanctification process is an ongoing thing. Christ paid it all, but he expects you to do something. And we're going to see here uh, shortly what you don't conquer is going to conquer you. Another way of saying that, what you don't overcome will overcome you. That's the law of God. You're not going to change it. You, you don't, you don't, it doesn't really matter whether you believe that or not. It's not going to change things. So, decide, decide something. I mean, decide it. This, this, this word to where it's stand. No, I'm done. I'm right here. I'm planted. That's it. It's going to be established. I don't care if it takes a month, a year, two years, six years, or a lifetime. I'm not budging. But this book written to the church says most people in the church has need of endurance. So God puts stuff in front of your face. Produce. Some people, it's a five pound, or well, we'll go down to three pounds. It's a three pound barbell. Over here, the next person, it's a five pound. The other one's a ten pound. Twenty, twenty-five, fifty, hundred. You may start with the three pound, but he expects you to get to the hundred. does. So what what is this about purity? Turn to Psalms 118. chasing me sore, but he has not given me over unto death. Even though this was written a long time ago, that I think that when the children of Israel during the tribulation period read this verse of Psalms, it's going to mean something big. But what about you? Since his word is eternal. You know. Now, this is my triple H. Which is better than AA. 
Very blessed. The Lord has chastened me sore, but he has not given me over to death. When this comes, you don't do these three A's. It'll just come around again. You have to acknowledge the love that permitted your suffering. That's kind of like where there's confession and repentance. Confession is the acknowledging that you sinned against God. So you have to look at, at this love of God to where wherever you find yourself, whether he caused it or allowed it, it's there. Even if it's from your own brutish, stupid decisions and you're just eating the consequences of it. It's just like, interesting enough, I came over when I was 10 years old and fifth grade when I started cheating on spelling. And like I said last week, that's a consequence that's never left my house. I still to this day struggle with spelling. I used to cheat. I used to ride on my days and wipe it off when I got paid. Right before the days, I'd ride off with my sheet over it. The lesson there, kids, is not to cheat because it stays with you. It does. It might. That's God's call. You, you, you think that forgiveness of sin cancels consequences? You're in la la land. Church. It does not. Not under Old Covenant, not under New Covenant. He who does wrong, it's in Colossians, by the way, if you New Covenant freaks want to look that up. He who does wrong, you know that you did wrong, will bear the consequences of that wrongdoing and that without partiality. What does that mean? God's not partial. Screw up, you confess and repent. I'll forgive you, but there's going to be consequences, and you'll eat every bite of them. And God's the one that determines if it's going to be like David. The sword's not going to leave your house. It's there. You're not. You're not going to die. You're not going to lose your soul. But the consequences will remain in your house as long as you take breath on this planet. So, the best thing to do is not to go there. Approve. Approve in this suffering of the moral lesson given. Approve of it. That means you acknowledge your part. And that God was just and righteous in dealing with you and everything that you're suffering because of. See, th this is this is all whose part thus far. 
thousand. Except you get through this, then accept and expect deliverance that God will give. What? Based on if he did it in the past? In other words, if he's not a partial God, he can't do it for Israel and not do it for you. Right? Because I believe it said in there that there's one law, Jew and Gentile. One. There's one way. Not one set over here and another set over here. So, acknowledge, approve, and accept. Triple A. Very easy to remember. Next time you're driving, see somebody's triple A bumper sticker. Okay. Psalms 12. Back a few pages. Kind of simple. First part of this morning, anyway. You don't have to run everywhere all over the book. So here we're going to see in the beginning of three different Hebrew words, the first of which is showing the character. In other words, you put that on the character of an individual. When, when you hold a high esteem of somebody's character, what, what does that say to you? Somebody else's character. Yeah, in other words, you look at an individual and say that's a person of high character. What does that mean? Huh? Well, I think of it lots of things. I think they of it as respect their, their words, respect their authority. They stand by what they either say they're going to do, they're honest, they're loyal, they're firm, they don't, they're not easily swayed. So this person's credentials has been played out by what they've done. And so if you hear something completely contrary to the character of that individual, you believe it? No. Most people do. Most people was ready to throw anybody instantly to the crowd. Well, I can't believe they did that. Well, how do you know they did that? Is, is you looking at the character of that individual, just mere words? Or are you one, well, I don't believe that. The only way I'm going to believe that is I hear it from the horse's mouth. I'm going to go to them and find out. So you can trust their character. If they say something, they're going to do it. So, here, we, we need to be able to trust the character of God. Yes? So, the words of the Lord are pure. So, this Hebrew word is clean, pure, flawless. 
That means men will fail you. Men will betray you. Men will leave you hanging out to dry. Men will scatter in a time of trouble. Men won't even acknowledge they know you in a time of persecution. But God's character is flawless. His words are flawless. Flawless. Pure as silver refined seven times in a furnace. Second one, Psalm 18, 26. Let's back up to 25. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. Does that sound familiar? Jesus repeat any kind of words like that when he walked here? It's the mercy of God, an unconditional promise to you. With the merciful, you, God, will show yourself merciful. With an upright man, you will show yourself upright. With the pure, and this pure here is to, it has an action, will show yourself pure. And with the forward or perverse, you will show yourself forward. In other words, you want to be perverse in your actions, then it's going to be met with adversity. There'll be a payday Sunday. For you will save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. 1 Peter 5, 5 says what? God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Resist the proud. Remember a few weeks ago where I was talking about stuff written on, you know, uh, the, the uh, what was it? Are you ready? Um, the time is now. Thanks. Well, there's, there's other kind of messages out there as well that's uh, not as positive. Here's a Tostitos bag. And on the back of it, it says, it's not a foul if no one calls it. Party on. It's not a foul unless no, if no one calls it. So you can call evil good. You can call a lie the truth. But guess what? You can, you can say, oh, it's not a foul because nobody called it. Mm -hmm. 
But see, people will eat and they'll read that and this and then what they put in front of their face and what they read and what they look at, that's what they become. It's guaranteed. And so we've been looking at that with the seven churches. It's a snare. But you thought, oh, well, you know, it's not a foul, nobody called it. I'm just going to party on it. All in the name of Jesus, of course. So clean, pure, and flawless, to show oneself pure. With the pure. With the one that shows themselves pure. Are you doing that? Psalms 19.8. All you got to do is turn the page. Maybe. And it's really hard for me not to camp out on several verses here because there's so much here concerning the law of the Lord and His Word. But verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Doing what? Enlightening the eyes. It's pretty hard to see in darkness, isn't it? You got to go all the way and do what? Turn a light on, then you can. Oh, wow. There it is. Well, hello. Three different words, three different aspects. That God says what he means and means what he says. He expects you to take action in purifying so that it shows an actual, literal result. And now you, quote unquote, well, that's old cub. All right, well, let's look over here in the new. See what it has to say about that. And you'll still argue the fact. Well, that's not what that's saying. Why? Because you want to continue in your lascivious lifestyle. That means unrestrained. You, you want the rules to be the way you want them. And you want to follow a God that you carved out and not the one in this book. And when we get to Sardis, where we left off with the last church, we'll see this. First Peter 1 Peter 1.22 
let's start at 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, speaking of Christ, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls, how? In obeying the truth. How? Through the Spirit. Unto uncounterfeited, non-plastic love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. This same word is basically to cleanse. Remove the contaminants that defile. Decontaminate yourself. Now, I don't know if Anthony's ever been around in his stint in the military. I wonder whether he ever had to go through a decontamination process. I don't know that. Had to practice it. But I think you have seen it. I mean, you saw it in news with the Ebola outbreak and all of that stuff. You saw people in hazmat suits and what? They had to go through decontamination. Why, why do you think that you're immune to that because uh, you're a child of God? Isn't that why they had the laser? I mean, in the temple, the priests continuously had to go and wash before they came here. It was in the outer court before entering his presence. The labor. Which is that physical symbol of old that was lined with the looking glasses of the mirrors of the women of Israel. To where when you look down into that labor that had no dimensions, you can look it up. It's the only article of furniture inside the tabernacle that did not have specific dimensions. There is none. Why? Because it's symbolic of the Word of God, which means it's what? Without dimension. Nothing is impossible. But it was in the outer court. They had to pass through a series of things before they got into the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. So you wash. Ephesians tells us to wash by the water of the Word. Who is Christ? See, there is no separation. So, seeing you have decontaminated your souls. And obeying, obeying the truth. Comes back to action. And here we see, you check down here at the bottom, when we get through all these, how you going to do that? You wash the water of the word through the grace given by the power of the cross. That's it. 
you try to wash and take a bath and overcome and have the victory outside looking at the power of grace to get you there, that ain't going to happen. God's not going to allow it to happen because it's an insult to what happened at the cross. First John three three. And we'll probably read a little bit more than this. And every man who has his hope in Christ. Let me ask you. Everybody look at my eyeballs right here, right now. I can't. You you all can look at mine singly, but I gotta I gotta go around the room. Do you have your hope right now in him? Yes or no? Yes. Uh, no. Yes. All right. Every man who has his hope in him says a prayer. Decontaminates himself. Well, that sounds like works. Faith without works is dead. dead. You've listened to too many lies. You've listened to doctrine of demons that this book prophesies of this day. The furnace is hot. That's why when you see something going on over the fence, well, you better be very, 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 very careful about your little bony finger. More times than not, you don't know what's going on there. And if you judge unrighteously, Heaven help you because you just passed the sentence to get the same kind of judgment back on your own head. There's a big difference between judging righteously and unrighteous judgment. A big difference. Every man who has his hope in him decontaminates himself. Then I don't know when your day of salvation was when you got born again, but has this been your lifestyle? From the get-go, first rattle out of the box, you've been decontaminating yourself. And you're, uh, you're acknowledging the love of what you're going through. You know the moral lessons that's trying to be taught you. And you accept and expect sometime 
to get delivered. We're not going to get to Laodicea, no, probably not for two more weeks. I don't know how long it's going to take us. But, but if you're like the propensity, which, uh, except for two, three, four, five, the propensity of the Laodicean is just tepid people. Go to church, even go Wednesday night. But when it comes to obeying the truth, We don't have to do that. We're under grace now. I hope you have your fitted fire suit. Every man who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he, Christ, is pure. Now, this pure is a different word here than this one down here. This one basically is with the, the notation of pure, innocent, without transgression. We're talking about the pure is different than the purified. Yes. Right. Every man who has this hope in him purifies himself even as Christ is pure. Even as Christ is without transgression. Walk as he walked. Be perfect. Get to full maturity. Whosoever commits Sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he, Christ, was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abides or stays, remains, continues in Christ, sins not, doesn't continue to practice sin. Whosoever continues to practice sin has not seen him, neither has known him. Whosoever, little children, let no man deceive you. He who does righteousness is righteous, even as Christ is righteous. We have the example of his walk. He who continues to practice sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, now there's a whole lot of doctrines as to why Jesus came, and this is why he came. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil, which was sin. To take back that which Adam gave away. 
Whosoever is born of God does not continue to practice sin, for his, God's, Christ's seed remains, it stays, it continues in him. And he cannot, he can't continue to sin because he is born of God. This is not my words. This is the book. You airheads out there that want to just keep mouthing, Lord, we're just all sinners saved by grace. Get your fire suit. The day is coming very shortly that you're going to find out for real the lie that you continue to practice and to believe. In this is the children of God manifested, made known. Are you really His? Are you really born again? And with that said, before I read this last thing, there's a lot of believers today, they get saved, but they don't believe in the second work of the Holy Spirit to empower them in a different and new and energizing thing. <coughs> and since he's not a bully, you don't want to believe it, you don't get it. Because number one, you're not willing to get your life to where he will come and fill you. Fill you. Hasn't got anything to do with the prayer of salvation and being born again. All you have to do is read the book of Acts to see that. It's there. People did not get his second work. Over and over again, there's examples in there. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? No, I didn't even heard of such a thing. Big difference. It's going to be very hard for you to even understand Scripture without it. That's why a lot of people look at me like a deer in the headlights. Well, I want Jesus, but I don't want all that sacrificing I got to do to, to have him, so I'm just going to be content before I'm at Have you a good supply of band-aids? Because when you drip and fall, your knees are going to get awfully bloody all the time. As you ever remember, what you don't conquer and overcome will conquer and overcome you. And we're going to see that this is a promise from God, not from me. I don't care what you want to put in the equation of what you do not want to conquer and overcome. In this is the children of God made manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither he who loves not his brother. You don't want to keep the feast days. You don't want to keep the commands that God said. These are a perpetual 
a perpetual, an ongoing thing that's not going to stop. Get your fire suit. It's just like these out there right now. Some of you have watched one of the videos. That's just too hard. I don't want to watch it. It doesn't matter. You want to choose not to watch any more of them, you're still accountable because now your ignorance is willful. So whether you ever hear it or see it or anything, it doesn't matter. God is going to hold you responsible. Because like ancient Israel, it wasn't that they couldn't know. They willfully chose not to know. So are you really born again? Whoever is born of God does not continue to practice sin for the seed of Christ, the Holy Spirit, is in you. I get... Yes, ma'am. First uh, John 3, that one's verse 9. James chapter 4. This a few weeks, a couple weeks. I don't remember anymore. We read it in the past, but we'll start at four. James, the brother of Jesus, looking at the congregation that he shepherds, you adulterers and adulteresses. Know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. If your celebrations, if everything that you do is, is right along with whatever the world is doing, then God marks you as his enemy, not his friend. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us lusts to envy? But he gives more grace. It doesn't matter the sin that you're facing to overcome. It does not matter. It does not matter. That's where Paul was talking about where sin did abound. Grace does much more abound. It's irrelevant as to what you're needing to overcome as far as the power of grace. To stop it. Does not matter. He gives more grace. Wherefore he said, why, why is it people don't get more grace? Next line. What does it say? God resists the proud. 
Well, what's the context of this? I don't need that grace to overcome this. I can deal with it. He gives grace to the humble. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. And the prophet put his bony finger in his face and said, you're the man. David didn't give a liturgy of excuses. Do you? Well, you just don't know my circumstances. Are you, are you seriously? Are you going to put that anemic of description on the grace that was given at the cross? You've got to be kidding me. God resists. And so here is an order. Submit yourself to God. When you submit yourself to God, then what happens? You resist the devil. Satan and his minions been eating your lunch for a long time? That's because you have refused to submit yourself to God. Completely, wholly, 100%. Not H-O-L-Y, but W-H. Completely. It's Joshua and Caleb fully followed the Lord, or wholly followed the Lord. So you submit yourself it automatically puts a resistance to the devil and he what? Still hangs around? He goes, okay, I can't get nothing done here. All I'm doing is getting my finger smashed in the door all the time. Jesus said, he comes, but he has nothing in me. Has he got something in you? I guarantee you I'm looking at a lot of faces he's got something in you. You just refuse to admit it. So when Jesus in Gethsemane submitted himself to the will of the Father, then what does the Bible say that happened with Satan? He took a power. He left. Remember the story is what happened next? This right here says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So Jesus drew near to the Father in Gethsemane and submitted to his will. And he resisted the devil and the devil fleed. And what happened next? Read the story. Angels came and ministered to him. Did God draw near to him? 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Notice he doesn't say the ungodly. Because James is talking to his congregation that he shepherds. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Down here. Get rid of the contaminants, you double-minded. Now, if you hold that finger right there and turn back to chapter 1, 7 and 8, let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Double-minded. You're waffling between two opinions. Is it true or is it not true? Is it real or is it not real? So your lack of understanding is because you're void of the Spirit. Trying to do everything that the world does in the name of Jesus. Let's do all of the worldly celebrations and forget the feast days. So he tells the people that he's looking eyeball to eyeball with. I don't want, he doesn't say here, and I want you to listen to this wonderful, soothing worship music as we, as we have this altar call. Because the Spirit of the Lord is here. Don't you just feel it. Don't you just feel it. Here's his altar call. Be afflicted. Mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And if you'll do this, that's humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. You want to walk out of here same way? Walk. You want to really truly know the joy of the Lord? Then be afflicted. Mourn. Weep. Because your sin is not against man. It's against God himself. And godly sorrow is the only thing, the only thing that will produce repentance. It will tear you to the core when you've truly repented over something. You will do this without exception. You don't do this, you're self-deceived. And that's why you're in constant defeat over and over and over and over. Because you have not repented.
Confession without repentance will just cause the same sin to repeat itself over and over again. We're not going there this morning, but there's a verse of Scripture that says, you keep doing that, you've insulted the Spirit of grace and there remains no more sacrifice for you, but nothing but a fiery indignation, hell, that will consume the adversaries of God. How bad is hell? It's pretty bad. Jesus said, cut your, poke your eye out, cut your hand off, cut your foot off. Go into the kingdom maimed. But get there. It's bad on the other side. Be afflicted. We've been meeting for weeks. Have you been afflicted? Have you mourned? Have you wept? Because it's only godly sorrow that produces repentance. Or have you stayed stiff-necked? Proud? That's not me. See, since the word of God is alive and active, active and sharper than any two-edged sword, it don't matter if there's two in a room or a hundred thousand. The Spirit of God can take the same scripture and burn. Burn. Wherever it is. Why do we have a health crisis in the most prosperous country in the world? Because we got a spiritual crisis. That's why. What you see with people in their diets is just a manifestation of what's going on in their spiritual life. I don't like this, so I'm not going to eat it. God didn't ask you whether you liked this. He said, eat it. It is life to you. What's he telling you to do? What's he been telling you to do? Just... <coughs> That doesn't line up with my gifting. Well, let me tell you something. Start my 32nd year of farming, and if you look at my spiritual gifts in farming, they don't go together at all. <laughs> Zero. Nada. No. I've been telling you to eat your spinach. You hate spinach?
decontaminate. You got stinky feet? <coughs> Something needs to be decontaminated. Because your walk's not pure. I didn't say any of this. I'm just a messenger. You want to despise me? Then you despise the one who sends me. Go straight to the balcony of heaven. Know that if they reject you, it's because they reject me. Don't take it personally. It'll just reveal where they really are. He gives more grace. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to do whatever, whatever you have to do to experience that? For the joy set before him. Okay, I see it down the road. That's ugly. Wow. I'm going to have to sweat some blood to get over this one. Yep, sure are. Because God is trying to kill you. That self-empowerment, that self-will, that self of I, 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 He's trying to kill it, and you keep resurrecting it. What have you really been afflicted and mourned and weep over? Or what haven't you done this with, but you say that you have the victory? Listen to me. Godly sorrow produces repentance. You don't have this in your life over the sin that you have committed. You have not repented. I don't care what you want to tell yourself. It doesn't line up with the flawless word of God. Those of you who have you know what I'm talking about. That's why you said, don't deceive yourself. Don't let men deceive you. Over and over and over again it's in here. I don't know if this is going to be any easier, but back to Revelation chapter 2. And let's do a short review here of just reading through the first churches that we already covered. 
and then we'll start with the X, excuse me, with the X-ray of Sardis. Now, anybody want to tell me what you remember about Ephesus? Uh, first church, one of seven. Now these churches are what? What are they to, to us, the church? Ages. Ages? Churches, actual churches. Actual churches. And individuals. individuals within the church. Stages in our life. Well, if, if, if what you're saying is uh, true x-ray of where we are, yes. Uh, these were not all the churches. It was the churches God pulled out for an x-ray to you, 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 me, you, 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 you. And if you do not take seriously the rebukes given, and clean up, decontaminate, then you'll receive whatever he says that that's going to be. Without exception. Now, <coughs> these churches do represent the seven church ages, which we, we went through all of that uh, before, but it does not mean, it means that we're in the last one, the Laodicean, so that means the propensity as a whole, this is what the church is going to be like. But it does not mean that there is not attributes of all seven at any one given age. In other words, if you look at, uh, turn to Acts 12. Hold your finger there just a minute. Acts 12, this is the church, the Ephesus church age. <coughs> this was about some 10 years after the cross. Now about that time, first verse, verse chapter 12, Acts, first verse. Now about that time, Herod, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain in the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So was that a Smyrna? At Ephesus? Yes. You know, it's, uh, of course, we'll, we'll see here with Smyrna. And interesting enough to me is Smyrna, fire tower of the longest ladder, Smyrna the shortest. And lately on Facebook and stuff, you know, they've been with this persecution and killing of Christians and stuff uh, across the ocean and all that, all of this stuff about raising up uh, people to pray for deliverance of persecuting Christians. Is that what you're supposed to be doing? We're going to see this here in a minute. It's kind of in the same order 
when Donna broke her arm and you wanted to pray for a speedy recovery. Uh, is that what she needed? Or did she need to learn the moral lesson? These people over there that are getting killed right now for their faith, and by the way, it's the ones who are refusing to deny Christ. Is that what God's telling you to do, to pray for their deliverance? So you can you can pray wrong and you can pray right. Well, you have to do the right thing the wrong way. It's still wrong. Okay. So <coughs> Ephesus was an on fire church. What happened to it? It started at Pentecost and went through about AD 100. What happened to it? It became something. You got your notes? What did you write down? Anything? Mm -hmm. I guess you've been spending a lot of time on these since we covered them. <coughs> they were preoccupied. Their priorities gradually shifted. Became preoccupied. <coughs> They, you have to remember that in Ephesus at that time, there was the largest altar to Ar Artemis, which is a goddess of lust and, um, and a lot of pagan, paganism. And um, they had a bunch of other gods that were there, but that was the largest temple. And it was revered highly. So they, the shadow, I mean, within the shadow of that, where the church was born. Well, idol is nothing more than a priority shifting. Yeah. Priorities shifted. A lot of people doing a lot of good works in the name of Jesus. And hadn't got anything to do with his will. Sometimes so are you, are you in the good part of Ephesus right now? Or are you on fire? Or are you preoccupied? <laughs> Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience and how you cannot bear those which are evil. 
and you have tested those which say they are apostles and are not, and found them to be liars, and have borne and have, in other words, you've set a course, and you stuck to it. You decreed a thing, and it became established. You have endurance. And for my name's sake, you've labored and have not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto you quickly and will remove your lampstand out of his place, except you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, or the laity conquerors, people that exploit people in the church with their power, which I also hate. This is where the doctrine of Catholicism, where it tried to take root in the early church, but it was what? Mixed. Didn't happen. And if God hates something, you better hate it too. If you don't know what it is that he hates, you better find out what it is and in a hurry. And decontaminate it. You better get rid of it. Even though this was uh, written quite a while ago, and he says, I'm going to come quickly. Quickly is relevant according to God's timetable. It could be immediate or way down the road. But I assure you, as fast as the clock is spinning and where we're getting to the end of the age, this church age, that time and space for you to do something is nowhere near what it was for ancient Israel before the, the Syrians walking. You're not going to get 150 years. To him who overcomes, to him who conquers, conquers what? This up here, what I'm saying that you're lacking. All of this good stuff is good, but you're not perfected. This right here is lacking. And it needs to be dealt with. Your priorities are out of whack. You don't have a kingdom mindset. You don't have what's important to God in this hour is consuming your mind. You have all of your other works. He who has near to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him who overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Smyrna. What about Smyrna? Fragrant church. Because Smyrna means what? Smyrna. Do you put forth a wonderful fragrance when crushed? <coughs> I 
this, this is talking about uh, people dying. Under the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last one which was dead and is alive. I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty. Here, the church was poor because of persecution, but God's saying you're rich. Laodicea, the one that we're a part of, they say that they're rich and God says you're poor. I know the blasphemy of those which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which you will suffer. Behold, the devil will cast some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days or ten periods of time, which basically lasted some 200 odd years. There's ten major persecutions towards the church during that time. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. So does that line up with what was plastered on Facebook about praying for the deliverance of Christians? That the killing of them stop? What does it say when you're faced with this? When you're faithful and that particular site when I went down I forget it was thousands of, of and guess what every one of them confirmed that oh yeah 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 not one not one <coughs> Be faithful unto death, and you'll get the crown. Stand. Decide it. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. He who overcomes, he who conquers, conquers what? Not denying Christ in the face of death. Are we going to face that? I don't know. We might. You going to get in your little prayer group and pray for deliverance? Or are you going to pray and be faithful unto death? Do you not have the example of what happened in the book of Acts? To where when God has given a certain race for you to run, unless you usurp it because of your sinful acts, man is not going to touch you till you get done with your race. And if you cross a Smyrna, God will give you the grace to face it. Because there's a right way and a wrong way to die. This book tells us that 
Jesus was, is sitting at the right hand of the Father. But if you read the account in the stoning of Stephen in the book of Acts, Jesus, it says, was standing, watching what was happening in this temple. Why? Because there's a right way and a wrong way to die. What was it got him up out of his chair to look? What does it say in verse 10? Fear. Fear none of those things. Since his word is flawless and you're, and you're faced with the Smyrna time for your life, fear none of those things. Fear. No. I'm not fearing. I'm standing. Pergamus. This kicked in around 316 AD, plus or minus. It said he lacks sufficient infirmness when the church married the world. It's when the seed for the paganization of the church. Got planted. How long ago was 316? We're in 2015? 1400 and some odd years of pagan influence in the church? I wonder if people think it's normal. Mm -hmm. But it was lacked. It was deficient in firmness. Is that you? Have you been, have you? How much time have you spent in these first ones that we looked at weeks ago? None? So the seed was cast at Pergamus. These things says he which has a sharp sword with two edges. I know your works and where you dwell and even Satan's seat. And you hold fast my name and have not denied my faith. Even in those days where Antipas was a faithful martyr. Hmm. This is under who? Pergamos. Do we see Smyrna in Pergamos? No. Who was slain among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few 
things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed in the idols, and to commit fornication. Fornication. We get into the next church age, it's all about spiritual adultery. So have you also those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? So we go from Ephesus to the deeds of the Nicolaitans that is hated and it is suppressed. So now they're holding on to the doctrine. So it has infiltrated the church and took hold in teaching doctrine. Which thing I hate, which is repeated. Repent, or else I will come unto you quickly and will fight against those with the sword of my mouth. That's speaking to the church. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him who conquers or overcomes, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he who receives Thyatira, around 800 to 1500. The longest of the seven letters. Still find it extremely interesting why this one's the longest. In Smyrna, be faithful unto death is the shortest of all. Don't you think if you had to die for Christ? That pretty much says it all. Be faithful unto death. Well, what, 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 you, what else are you going to add to it? <laughs> but spiritual adultery... Boy, you can add a long list of things. And we covered this in great length. These things says the Son of God who has eyes like unto a flame of fire. Here's the furnace. And his feet are like fine brass. Here's the judgment. I know your works and your love and your service and your faith and your endurance. And your works in the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you suffer or you tolerate or you put up with the Jezebel spirit to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to the idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children, those who follow this doctrine, those who practice this doctrine, those who are partakers and sharers in this doctrine, with death. In all the church, is, will know that I am he who searches the reins in the hearts, and I will give to every one of you according to your works. 
But unto you I say, and to the rest of our attire, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put no other burden on you. But that which you have already, hold fast till I come. He who overcomes and keeps my works to the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Notice here in 26 a revelation here about overcoming. What's it say? Verse 26. It's twofold. What's the first fold? Overcome. And what? Keep it. Keep it. You don't fall back. Overcoming is just the first step of the victory. You must guard it from loss or injury to the end. To him will I give power over the nations. In other words, you will rule and reign with him. He shall rule with a rod of iron, so will you. And the vessels of the potter shall they be broken as shivers. Even as I received of my father, I will give him the morning star. In other words, the kingdom that God gave to Christ because he overcame at the cross, guess what you get to share in? as long as you overcome and you keep it to the end. You know, it's great that you came out into the covenant, you got born again, that's wonderful. If you started well, you got to finish well. It don't mean nothing if you don't get to the end without getting disqualified. So, there's some stuff that I need to uh, <coughs> to write on the board here real quickly. So, we're going to stop here just a second if you need to go potty <coughs> for a few minutes. You go potty and then come my name that you live and are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore you will not watch, I will come on you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Now, this is pretty much all we're going to get to 
this morning we'll pick up next week um, <clears throat> with the balance. But Sardis was a powerless church. It was a wealthy city known for its golden treasures. The church had become steeped in unscriptural traditionalism. Basically just a byproduct of what with Pergamos and Thyatira. It just continues unchecked. It's why, why you have a lot of people today about family traditions. Well, it's tradition. Not even realizing where all of this mindset came from. Thinking that it's a positive thing. Now, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God. Now, if you turn over to Galatians 5.22, just hold your place there. In Isaiah, you'll find, um, find them both. That way you can... Galatians 5.22, with the fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, or long suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, or gentleness, temperance, self control. Against such there is no law. Now, we're going to turn over to the seven spirits of God here in Isaiah in just a minute, but I want to, to give you an object lesson of what. Jesus, if you notice here, it says fruit, singular. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It says fruit. This is really not written all that well, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And love manifests itself in these, in these attributes. It's like, I don't know if you call this an orange or what you call it. Well, I know, but it's not, there's not cutie trees out in California, you know. Whatever it is. Clementine? Clementine, Let's just say orange to simplify. Okay, it's an orange. It's an orange. It's an orange. Single. Right? But there's a stem end of the orange. There's a blossom end of the orange. There's an outer filling of the orange. There's an inner filling of the orange. There's a skin, and there's that white, stringy stuff in the orange, and there's the skin of the orange, and there's the pulp of the orange, and there's the juice of the orange. These don't have a seed. But it's all the attributes of the orange. The fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Greatest of these is love. And this is how it manifests itself. In other words, this is an orange, but uh, here's how it manifests itself. Right in there. Take this thing off. And there's the 
Yeah, strange stuff. And then there's the skin. Inside the skin. But it's an arm. But it has many facets to make me orange. Love has many facets to make love. Okay? So you need that when we get to this right here, it's the same way. What we're going to see in Isaiah to where so you can not because Revelation it says who has the seven spirits of God. Isaiah 11, verse 1, And there shall come forth a rod out of the root or the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, what I just said in Galatians, and what we read, now the fruit of the Spirit is love. So, what's going to be the first one here? Under the same context of what you just got showed with the orange about the seven spirits, huh? No. What would be what would be the first one? Healing. That what we're talking about. Forget the orange. The orange was just an object lesson of which of the spirit of of the love of God. All right. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And we're going to go down through here and list all these. Notice we're just one, two, three, four, five, six. When they said seven. What's the first one which comes under the attributes of the example given here? What did Christ send us when he left? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Yay. Okay. Sometimes it's how you ask the question. So there's there's the set. It's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord. Okay. Follow me? See, this is back here. That's over there. It's one and the same because he doesn't change. So here is the attributes of the Holy Spirit, which he is Christ. He's a part of the Trinity, so if he's in you, then he's giving you all of these attributes if he's truly in you. So, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, upon Christ, the Spirit of wisdom. What is wisdom? This Hebrew word here, skill in learning. And you'll notice down here, knowledge is learning. It, do, it doesn't say skill. Wisdom has the inflection of skill and learning. Knowledge, learning. 
That's because knowledge is knowing a fact, but wisdom is knowing what to do with the fact. And when we get down to this, we'll see in Timothy to where what's said of the church, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because it's devoid of the Spirit. He's not there. You got a fact, but you're clueless as to the wisdom of that fact. So, in, in this, you turn to Ecclesiastes and Psalms, Ecclesiastes 7 12. Verse 11 and 12. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Knowledge without wisdom is death. All you got's knowledge, all you got's a fact. You don't have the wisdom in order to know what to do with the fact. Psalms 37 30. mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom. doesn't say the mouth of the righteous speaks knowledge. In other words, if all I did was just sit up here week after week after week and speak knowledge, what's that going to do for you? Give you a head full of facts? Well, there you have the modern church for the most part. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of judgment, which is the complete word of God, blessing and cursing, everything to do with God. The severity and the goodness. Now, if you truly have the Holy Spirit, then these attributes are going to be in you, just like we saw in 1 John. If you're continuing on in your trek with sin, you're a manifestation of your father the devil, not of God. Understanding this Hebrew word, insight to respond to instruction. Wisdom without understanding. See, in other words, seven is completeness. It's the perfection. It's the whole. You, you, 
to enjoy that orange, you got to get through all the attributes put in your mouth. Because everything about it is good. We're going to get to that down here with some food examples here shortly. Understanding, insight to respond to instruction, Proverbs 19.25. Smile a scorner, and the simple will beware. Reprove one who has understanding, and he will understand knowledge. In other words, rebuke a scoffer, somebody that wants to scoff at the Word of God. It's kind of like correcting a child that really don't have understanding. They just know, oh, I need to be aware of doing that. I'm going to get hit. <laughs> I don't understand why I'm getting hit, but I know every time I do that, oh, I told you not to do that. So see, they beware, but they don't have any understanding. This is again, this is what the Holy Spirit gives to you. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? I hope this is, especially with Proverbs where it talks a lot about, I hope this is putting a connection in there for you to where it's not just words in the book. They're speaking about the one who came and what he left behind when he left. Counsel. Spirit of counsel, plan or purpose. Proverbs nineteen twenty. Hear counsel and receive instruction, that you may be wise in your latter end. Psalms one hundred six thirteen. They soon forgot his works, God's works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. You don't have this, what's left? What does it say? You want to forget everything that you hear? You want to not spend any more time in looking through the x-rays of the seven churches? You go back home and you get back to the business of life? 
Because after all, it's really important. The kingdom of God is at hand, and all of that stuff is just so important. You know, I realize when, when the shofar blows it, trumpets, this planet is what you is for is gone. It will change in a nano. In the blinking of an eye. And it's not going to be for good. There'll be a lot of people who haven't heard the gospel come to the gospel during that time, but it ain't going to be good. Spirit of might, which literally is power and strength. What does the Holy Spirit give you? in the books of the prophets that in that day they literally there was no other choice for the children of God they had to hear from the prophet they had to there was no other that was God's economy okay so here he is speaking out of his mouth Micah is but he's referring to the one who sends him but I am truly but truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. What did Jesus do when he came? What did the precursor do, John the Baptist, before he came? What did all the prophets before all of that time do? Why? Because they are full of the spirit of might. Which what? That you have to have to face all of the chagrinning faces that are before you to do what? To declare unto Jacob their sins. This is defiled. It's contaminated. It needs to get cleaned up. You're running out of time to do it. You're tempting Christ. Proverbs 8, 14. <coughs> the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way. And the perverse of the forward mouth do I hate. There's another one of those things I hate. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom is mine. Understanding is mine, and I have all the strength. You got nothing without me.
just as a little footnote, if you look on down there to 7B where you have heard the church has found for years upon years that the love of God is unconditional. What's that say? I don't know what? I love him that loves him. Is that unconditional? No. No. Jesus, did he reiterate that? Yeah. If you love me, keep my commandments, and my Father will love you, and we will come and make our abode with you. If you love me, keep my commandments, and the Father will love you, and we will come and make our abode with you. Does that sound unconditional? <laughs> Knowledge, which literally translated means learning. Jeremiah 10, 14. Every man is brutish. What's brutish mean? Stupid. Say it like you mean it. Stupid. Every man is brutish or stupid in his knowledge. <coughs> how much you want to patch yourself up about how much you know? Every founder is confounded by the graven image. For his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. In other words, the day of trouble proves the false image. It can't help you at all. That which you thought and relied on, it don't mean nothing. If you're not standing on the flawless truth of the Word of God, you're in deception, and the day of trouble will prove it. And it'll only be the grace of God if it doesn't destroy you. Daniel 12, 4. This speaks of our day. Daniel 12, 4. But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. The time of the end, many will run to and fro. In other words, translation, get on a jet in three hours, be across country, across the ocean, whatever. People running every which direction in just hours. And knowledge shall be increased. Learning. This, this is God. Any intellectual knowledge that you have is because he has allowed it to take place and to be made known. Do you realize from the beginning of time how long people rode horses? That's astounding if you think about that.
You had to increase knowledge because you're so smart. That's why you buy a computer today, next year it's a dinosaur. That's probably going to get to the point in three months it'll be a dinosaur. Because yeah. why? Because when we get down to the trunk blowing, this, this knowledge is going to increase at such hypersonic speed. Because you're so smart? No. Because you made a billion bucks off of it? No. There's a judgment coming. How smart you gonna be then? Second Timothy three seven. And that's where all the T's are. You find one T, you can find him. <laughs> Starting verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. We talked about this in last week or something. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with different lusts, different desires. In other words, they, they got all these things that they want to see happen and take place, which hadn't got anything to do with what's on the mind of God for today. So these, these teachers that come in, or these doctrinizers, they 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 because they can spell their teaching on, you know, whatever media now. It's 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 just on your phone. Look it up. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, because it's feeding your lust. I like this one. You know, what you need to do is find the one that makes your blood boil. And you've probably found a godly person. Because they're not tickling your ear. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janies and Jamborees withstood Moses, so did these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, that they will shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifested unto all men, as theirs also was. Now, sad part about this is this manifestation is not ultimately going to take place until the shofar blows. The one that was telling you the truth, they're gone. You and the one that you listen to still here. So just if it was manifested where uh, Moses' serpent ate the other two serpents. Hello. But it's too late for, for them. Knowing the truth then is not going to do them a bit of good. Knowing that they've screwed up. Knowing that they've made a mistake. 
Fear. Fear means fear. Luke 12. Well, now I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to believe that. Because <coughs> Bob says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Well, maybe you need to dig a little deeper and see what that really means. Luke 12. Luke 12. Yeah. Four through And I say unto you, my friends, who's he speaking to? His friends. Turn over to John. Hold your place there and turn over to John 15. 15. Those who do the commandments. Back up to fourteen. You are, this is Jesus speaking, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So, friends, that I say unto you, my friends. So who was he speaking to? Yeah. Be not afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you. So what, since Jesus is a manifestation of all seven of the motivational gifts, he's a manifestation of all the fivefold ministry gifts, what is he exercising the office here in? In forewarning. So you, you you don't have to be in a place to where you have the luxury of the fivefold ministry fluctuating and or, or uh, flowing week to week throughout the congregation where you meet. you've got him in every aspect in the gospels, and all you got to do is read the Hebrew scriptures and you'll see the books of the prophets and you'll see when Jesus is exercising the office of prophet. You'll see him when he's exercising the office of pastor. You'll see him when he's exercising the evangelist, the teacher. It's all right there. But I will forewarn you whom you will fear. Fear him which after he has killed who controls life and death? Doctors, tornadoes, hurricanes. Mm -mm. But I forewarn you of whom you are to fear, fear him which after he has killed has power to cast into hell. 
Yes, I say unto you, fear him. Fear. This is not the reverential, admiring fear. It's fear. So, Luke 12, we got that, Matthew 10, 28, which is, I think, is the same, same thing. What I tell you in darkness, that speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach from the housetops. And fear not those which kill the body, but are not able to kill your soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both your soul and body in hell. So, fear is the seven spirits of God, beginning with the Holy Spirit. And this is him. <clears throat> Which, if he is in you, should be you. Remember, he's not a bully. You don't want to meet the requirements to be filled, you don't get filled. You got as much or as little of him as you want right now. And people are happy without all of them. <coughs> They're discontent to just continue on their merry, uh, defeated way. Well, it's just another bump in the road. You know, it's life. Now, knowledge is knowing the fact. Wisdom is knowing what to do with that fact. Why... Why is it so important uh, to overcome Revelation 21 7? Towards almost the conclusion of the book. Revelation 21 7. He who overcomes, he who conquers, will, not maybe, inherit all things. And I will be his God and he will be my son or God. How important is it for you to overcome? What's the penalty for not overcoming? What's it saying? without saying it because whatever the promise given the opposite is true whether it's spoken or not if it's not fulfilled. So if the overcomer inherits all things what does that mean for you if you do not overcome? You get nothing. Sip. Not a Begins back in the Torah, Deuteronomy 28, 15. 
I know some of you don't believe that. Because <coughs> anyway, all that stuff's gone. We don't want to get back there for. Well, could it be that the New Testament church, that's all they had for the first 20 to 60 years of its conception? Maybe. But it will come to pass that if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command you this day, that all these curses will come upon you and do what? Overtake you. What you refuse to conquer and overcome will conquer and overcome you. Right here. So, knowledge is knowing a fact. Smoking. What's the fact about smoking? It's bad for you. Could we dig a little deeper? It causes cancer. Causes cancer. Cancer. Destroys your immune system. Destroys your lungs. <clears throat> I mean, the list is on, 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 on. So that's the facts. Wisdom would be what? Don't do it. Don't have to do it. Quit. Stop it. Don't be around it. You know, I can, I can, I can remember the difference between my mom and dad. Mom wouldn't quit smoking. Dad, whenever he, he's gone. That's why the server, I think he had a, more perceiver in there than we give him credit for. Because when, when he laid the line out, he didn't cross it. But not mom. She continued to smoke, continued, 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 continued until she was on oxygen because she destroyed her lungs. She got You know, so when, so we look at that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's just you know, you, you, you stink like hell anyway. Why don't you quit? You know, and everybody just well, let's tighten the bowl a little. Sugar. Diabetes. Obesity. Overweight. Inflammation. Diabetes. Sugar feeds cancer cells. That's a fact. Because, because of Daniel 12. It's not even debatable anymore. That's a fact. It feeds cancer. So, what's wisdom? Huh? What's your intake of sugar? <coughs> you know, not to mention overweight, hurting everything in your body, joints, whatever. So, the fact is, you're not going to change it. Wisdom is this. 
And here's probably one that I, I doubt. Well, I know. She knows. Fiber. <laughs> Why? Because that's what you seen on the commercial? I was going to say, if you don't have fiber, you seize up. You can poop. There is no movement in your life. Well, let me give you a brand new revelation here. Fiber has no nutritional value. None. Zip. Nada. Nothing. There is nothing in it nutritional. The thing about it is, these little boogers here, if it's not high in your diet, all of the toxins that you take into your body, it attaches to the fiber that you've eaten. And then the fiber goes where? It goes out. You don't have a lot of fiber in your diet. It attaches to the inside of your body that you cannot see. And then one day you wake up and you're in a crisis that you paid for every day of your life. Some people it happens young, a little older, but it will happen. Why? Because you have violated a law of God. Doesn't matter if it's delayed. This, this, that's this little old thing. That's it. That's all it does. And, and you can put whatever else you, food items you want to put in that equation. Because it's an industrial revolution turned in this country. All of this junk food stuff begins. Because it's easier. It's more convenient. Not so much trouble. Sinners and the ungodly. <coughs> What's the fact about sinners and ungodly? I'm going to do it red because it's going to be really. So, what's the wisdom to sinners and the ungodly? So you have all these people with their lousy diets. It's nothing more than a manifestation of their spiritual condition. That's all it is. That's all it is. Because they're attached. They're forever attached. It's not about what you like. It's about what's right. It's about what's life. And I can remember, I had to, I had to, when God did it, this years ago, when I had to give up my corn oil, I thought I was going to die. I hated olive oil. 
Are you kidding me? How did these people in Israel leave this stuff? It's horrible. She can tell you. I mean, we had, of course, why God allowed palpitation of her heart as far as waning her off of caffeine. I don't know if this was how he brought all this about, but when we did that, you know, we had to we had to gradually come off of caffeine to blend the coffees. And it was like, hmm, what if we can blend olive oil and corn oil? So we did the same thing. You know, and 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 blended it, blended it till we waned completely off of corn oil. I cannot stand to have corn oil even under my nose today. Why? Because I found what it does to your body, and I declared war on it. And I'm 62 years old. Never had to be on <coughs> continued prescription drugs. Still not today. Don't have high blood pressure. Don't have cholesterol. Don't have nothing. You headed for a crisis? Some of you in here are. Guarantee it. You're going to wonder, why did God allow this to happen to me? Paid for it. Then ask you if you like it. And ask you if your kids like it. You need to do what's right. And it starts with you. Judgment begins in the house of God. So it, it needs to start with you. Leadership. Mom and dad. Care how much your kids complain. What you'd rather do, hear them complain or in a hospital where they're fighting for their life? What do you want to do? Because judgment delayed is not judgment denied. You want to set a course and your stubborn will keep you in that course, God will let you have it. When you get it, you're not going to want it. So you best change today. And I mean change. But you can't do it unless you're filled with the Spirit of God. You can't. You can't. God made a beautiful creation out there in the vegetable world. All kinds of yellows and greens and purples and reds and on and on and on and on and on it goes. See, so I have to put, every time I go, it's like when, uh, not this, just when I had to go, they had to fill out these stupid papers all the time. You know, any heart disease in your family, any, any you know, any of this, you know, and, and, and so much I wanted to put, yes, self-inflation, yes, self-inflation.
And when I took an x-ray of the shoulder, there was one little pencil tip speck on, on part of the, whatever you call it. She said, now, yeah, 62 years old, that's the only arthritis I see. You're done good, boy. Why? It was 20 years ago I made a, I I decreed a thing. I made a decision. And it's become established. As knowledge was increased to me in obedient understanding, it all plays out the same way. And that decision was made by majority of the chagrin of the rest of my family, by the way. Because if I was going to do it, you're going to do it. So, that said, this is not where you want to be. It's bad. You think it's bad being around people that complain 24-7? <laughs> Just think about being around people that complain 24-7 and it's complete darkness and hot. To where all you ever get somebody cursing you. Not just every now and then. You don't get to walk out. You smell the fresh air. Oh, sun, beauty. Man. Smells fragrant. Uh -uh. The stench of sulfur. Free a thing and it was established. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword because it's needed in order to, to cut, to define, to expose. But we also know that um, that same blade that cuts, it can sear and close up the wounds and speed its healthy recovery. I pray today that everybody in here has ears to hear, that they behold the severity and the goodness of God, that they take hold of the flawlessness of your word, And don't tempt Christ by casting doubt upon believing what is written. The seven spirits of God, the attributes of the Holy Spirit, those who've been playing games with you and are just satisfied with status quo, then they know they're not filled. They know that they're not walking in the admonition to be filled. I pray as they meet your conditions for that, Father, that you fill them and that their life is 
never going to be the same. That they taste the heavenly gift and not shrink back. We thank you for the power to endure to the end because of your grace by your revelation. Realize that any knowledge given to us is because you allowed it to come about. So give us the grace to take the facts and to extend the wisdom to know what to do with the facts and to walk in it. And we'll never forget to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for you share your glory with no one in Christ's name.